Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, they'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on with the show. Should we do a, a trial and triumph, ladies? Yes. Yes, do it. Mm-hmm. I have Ooh, one list okay. of trials, so can I go? Um, <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, Miss Negative, go then first. You go. Then. then you That's go right. first. Sorry, y'all. Usually, all I have is triumph. So You do. All right. I'm sorry. I, I am glass half full. So uh, I have a deck off of my house, and it's... Um, you know, it's like fake wood. You know what I'm talking about? You know, yes. sort of a laminate wood. I don't even know what it's called. Mm-hmm. And I had it installed when we renovated four or five years ago. And it's sort of a gray color. I love it. Except, y'all, it's not. Something's up. Because I just had my deck power washed. I usually get it power washed after kind of the leaves all fall. So it, all that sap kind of comes off. They're not all down yet, but it's close enough. And it was so disgusting. I couldn't stand it. And it's coming up. I don't know how to describe. I didn't think it could. It's not. Well, the- it's not all the way through. Um, so whatever's on the outside of mine, like this pretty gray finish, beneath huh. it is black. Huh. So I guess I've power washed it so much and so many times, or whatever, <laughs> that I have power washed some of the finish off. And so, what do you guys think I could do? Do you think I could paint it? Do you think I could get like an oil-based paint? I'd have to paint the whole thing. Unless I really got it really closely matched. Man, I honestly don't know. I don't know. That's I know. tricky. That's a really tricky one. How bad wonder- does it look? That's well, not a good face. Yeah, it doesn't look great. Um, I guess because the undersized black, so it's really not cute. It just looks dirty, you know? Mm-hmm. It looks dirty. And I don't know what to do. How bizarre that you could power wash the finish off. I know. It's not like you have an industrial power washer, too. No, I don't. And I don't know. I'm going to say I picked this brand because I loved the colors. And maybe it wasn't, you know, the best brand. Huh. I don't know. But, and, but you know, yeah, that's something to consider, too. Because when we were talking, we were talking about exterior paint colors. Well, maybe that episode hasn't aired yet, but we've been talking about, we have some paint episodes coming up and they, we talk about exterior paint colors. And I was thinking about sort of changing some of my trim colors and stuff around the house. And I'm like, well, I'm really committed to this one trim color because it matches my deck. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I'm not going to redo my whole deck planking. Anyway, I don't know. I might try to just get some paint And just kind of like with a little brush, put it into the black areas and see if I can Uh just make it look better. Is it just on the like floor surface? It's Mm -hmm. not on, there's no issue on like the rails or the. No, it's just the floor surface. Mm Because maybe worst case scenario, you could like do just the surface. Yeah. Similar, but slightly different color. And that way you're not at least, you're not having to paint like every square thing of every little picket you know what i mean yeah oh i don't have any of that my my oh all that's my right, it's railing is yeah like uh metal what do you call it i'm acting that with my fingers but string yeah sort of yeah Cords. sort of like yeah 
Yeah. Mm. Um, so I don't really Modern. have up and downs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Just That's the floor. True. That would help. So I'll, I don't know. I'll report back. I'm going to try some stuff. Yeah. Joe Mooney will be really irritated, but <laughs> I, I got to do something. Yeah. Well, we know your we we know your love of power washing shit. So I do. I love it so much. <laughs> I love you it do. so much. Yeah. Well, I can go next. Okay. Do y'all? I don't know how bad it was in your neighborhoods, but we had that hurricane come through. What was her name? Sally. No, wasn't it just an E? Zeta. Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. Anyway, whatever her bad. name was. Mm-hmm. Yes, it came through Atlanta. And we had a whole night where everybody lost power. And I lost power for uh, four days. Yes. Yeah. Days, not a yes. night. Days, yep. And yeah. it, you know, you're kind of, ex- I expect to lose power. We have lots of trees in Atlanta. My neighborhood, all the power lines are above. I get it. Like, I expect to lose it. It's just, it was the four days I was not prepared for yeah um and the wind was so bad we did end up in our basement because i mean we live in a ranch and so it's kind of scary so we went um down there at 5 a.m and lost the power and and we actually ended up fine um but the amount of tree limbs in my yard guys was insane they had come um the yard people had come the day before not a pine cone in my yard but having you know almost 30 plus pine trees sure after that storm, the limbs just shoved deep into the dirt where you're like, if that had been my house, wow. that would have been my roof, like my roof. And I would right. have had a huge hole. And somehow, and again, my husband is not fixing this house at this point. So I was really scared. <laughs> to live with a branch. I was going to have like a tarp over my roof for months. <laughs> and squirrels living in my attic like your neighbor. It's going to happen. Um, but luckily, it was, it was fine. But it just was, we had so much debris. David cut limbs for like the whole weekend. It was wow. just nuts. We had mm-hmm. so much debris. It was crazy. So that was my trial. But my triumph is we have started packing in our house, and that is exciting. Oh, Can yay. you guys see my bookcases are empty? <gasps> They're empty. Yes. Nice. Yes. I do really so, love that wow. paint color, though. I do. Are you going to use that paint color in your new house? I hope so. I've seen a lot of people using this paint color, and it is true. This color just makes me happy right now. So I'd probably do it somewhere there because it's that deep – is it blue? Is it green? You know, it's one of those right. where like no one can pinpoint. And I love those kind of colors because they just, mm-hmm. the complexity makes it so they're fun and different and different lighting of the day. And obviously mm-hmm. right now you guys can see it really well because I sit in here every time we talk. <laughs> um, but I was really excited that we got, you know, we've gotten some things packed and like I've done parts of my kitchen that were all like entertaining stuff because ah, of COVID, mm-hmm. not entertaining. And, yeah. you know, I probably won't be entertaining in wherever we rent for a year, you know, so. Mm-hmm. And you can put oh. your formal attire away. You probably won't need that. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> True. <laughs> I haven't done that, but I could. So anyway, those are mine this week. That's good. Mm-hmm. Well, Taryn, then mine are right in line with that because um, y'all, we lost power for four days. And (gasps) so I think I've told y'all about how um, one of the best, or not one of the best, but one great thing about our new house is that we have room for a second fridge. So we have an extra fridge and freezer downstairs. And I, before, you know, kind of when COVID started and we used to like very regularly go to Trader Joe's, but I've stopped going so much. So every time I go, I like pack my freezer with everything. Well, pretty much had to throw all the entire no. contents of our fridge out. Same. So, yep. yeah, it was so depressing. Um, oh, you know what did- I did do? I'm cutting you off. And I'm so sorry. But no, we got tell lucky me. that my sister-in-law who lives 10 minutes away was like, hey, 
do you want to, if you want to bring your outdoor freezer. And so we literally just, it had been only, uh, I think 24 hours at the time and it's a, a deep freeze. Like so we chest. hadn't opened it. Yeah. It's a chest one and we hadn't opened it. So we literally, David taped it up. We put it in the back of my car. It fit. He drove it over and plugged it in. So we didn't lose that. We lost obviously everything. Wow. And I'd gone to Publix, of course, the day of the storm and spent like, of you course. know, 200, which I just immediately threw into a trash can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Was, that was good. That was smart of me. <laughs> See, we kind of had the opposite. Like we... Um, you were smart. We had. I have a friend who has a generator and their, their power was only out for like eight hours. So they gave us their generator, but we plugged in... We didn't plug in our basement one. We only plugged uh, in our upstairs. So... Mm-hmm. You Anyways, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And but we could like plug in one little, you know, hey, make tea. We could it makes we a plugged difference. in one night we plugged in a surge protector and turned our Wi-Fi on so that we could have like watch Netflix. Aww. So but four days, y'all. That's crazy. That is, and did you and you stayed home? Yeah, and here's the most annoying part of the whole situation. My mom and dad, who live in Mobile, Alabama, which is a direct hit from yeah. the hurricane, guess how long they lost power for? Thirty minutes. Four hours. Crazy. So four hours after they're good to go, yeah. four days later, I'm still in a black Well, ha- half of our company, it was shocking to me how many people in Atlanta and in our company had no power for days and days and days. And I'm sure across the United States, it was, you know, we were not the only ones affected, but it was surprising that it took so long. Yeah. I think yeah. it was. Just, yeah, that part was surprising. And that, I think, I mean, it was the one of the first part. cold weekends of the fall. Remember, oh, like it was cold yes. all of a sudden, oh, and so no, like up. I know there was a girl in my I'm on like a mom's group text in our neighborhood, and one of the moms was like, "It's so cold, like we don't oh have gosh. any heat." You really could have come here, Caroline. My house is full of invalids, but other than that, you could come. Well, stay we here. we have a wood burning fireplace. Oh, okay, fine. So we tried to keep that kind of going a little bit, at least at night when it was Cute. colder. Um, yeah, but yeah. Anyhow, all right, all right. Well. well Hopefully none of our guests lost any power, so or yes, listeners. Hopefully I'm sorry. not. Yeah. Let's get back okay. now. Let's get to our guest. Let's do it. Okay, so our guest today is Joyce Downing Pickens of JDP Interiors which is a Los Angeles-based interior design firm. She was the founder and um, primary designer, and her work has been featured in the LA Times, El Decor, Dominant Magazine, and many more. We're so thrilled to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Welcome, Joyce. You have such a com- like beautiful, clean style, and it just feels so, you know, California, laid back, um, some of your photos, I feel like on your Instagram, you're even barefoot. Like it feels very, um, <laughs> so effortless. And I loved getting to thumb through your work and, um, we have so many questions for you. I can't wait to answer them. Oh, I just think that LA, the California lifestyle is just so quintessential to this, this area and yeah, barefoot, everything. That's the way to go. <laughs> I just like to be relaxed and comfy and that's the way kind of how I want my clients to live in their houses as well. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was first, you know, starting to research you and look at your work, I, I just started to assume, oh, you're, you know, you're pretty minimal. 
um, you know, real pared back. But then as I dug more into your Instagram and kind of heard your words a little more about um, what you love and what resonates with you, there was a lot more uh, variety there than I initially had expected. And not that, you know, having a very distinct look is not a a bad thing at all. So I'm implying, I'm just saying, oh, wow, because you were like, I really want to do really like rustic-y kitchens or I love old crusty things, you know, talk a little <laughs> bit about that, how you how you put all that together. Yeah, I think when I first started out, um, a lot of my clients were younger. They wanted that minimal paired back look. Um, and kind of, I think as a designer, you do develop your palette over the years. I think times change. I think aesthetics change. Um, trends, I hate that word, but they do change. And I think you develop your palette as you grow as a designer. And I think I kind of, I think my, where my heart and soul lives is kind of that rustic English countryside, you know, like a Cotswolds cottage. That's where my soul lives. And I think <laughs> you can see that a little bit in my own home. Um, but, you know, here we are in California. It's young, it's hip. It's, um, and, you know, I think people love that modern aesthetic. So I do my best to try and meld the two. Um, I think also as a designer, what's so tough is you are at, um, at the hands of your clients. So you are melding your aesthetic with your clients. And if you, do, you know, we're never going to find a client that has the exact same aesthetic as us. So a lot of my work is a meld of myself and my clients. So I think if I had all the money in the world and all the time in the world to do what I really wanted to do, I think it would be, it would look a lot different than what you see in some of the projects that I've put out thus far. Mm -hmm. Do you think your home is the most true form of your soul then? It's getting there. It's still that light California look and I would love to try something a bit darker. Um, you know, wallpaper, things like that. I would love to be able to do that down the line. Um, but once again, it's California. People don't want that kind of darker look. Uh, my boyfriend's actually from the UK. So I think I have a lot of influences from going back there all the time. But yeah, I think I get a lot of inspiration from that part of the world. And I would love to do that. However, I think I am a designer who loves to try every different style. And I think it's the mark of a good designer to try every different style. And so once I complete one style, I'm ready to move on to the next and try <laughs> something new. And I hope that my I can do across the board a bunch of different styles instead of just having one look that keeps being um, repurposed and re um, shot out. And so I would love to be able to have just a slew of all different types of aesthetics. If you were going to describe, though, without pictures, what that California lifestyle looks like. What does that look like if you close your eyes and you're envisioning that? I think rustic woods. Yeah. Barefoot jeans and a, you know, linen uh, button down. Um, I think, yeah, lots of texture, linens, um, just, yeah, that really soft, comfortable, laid back and pared back feel, but also with a lot of rustic texture. I think, you know, where we can go wrong in design is when we go, you know, we, we lose texture and interest. Um, I know I put a lot of that in my design and, you know, that's my aesthetic, but, you know, I think that's where you really get that richness and that sophistication. Um, and so I, I love that you can see that a lot in California design. Question, just a detailed question about 
these linens, and this white. Are you literally doing a white linen couch or, I mean, how you've got a dog. What, what, what's on your couch? What's your couch fabric? It's, it's a gray kind of, um, knobby fabric and exactly that. I didn't want to do a white because I have a dog and she's allowed everywhere. <laughs> she's little and she goes <laughs> to perch right on top of the sofa. And so, you know, there are some really great treated pre-treated fabrics out there these days, but you're still, you still got a white fat couch and I don't want to be that precious with it. So no, I think you can go darker in your sofa, but that doesn't necessarily mean the entire house has to feel dark just because your sofa is dark. So I think it's important to remember if you have all white walls, it's going to feel bright and white and clean. You know, you can go and choose some a little bit darker furniture pieces. And personally, I can't, I don't like to go, I don't have a single fabric in my house that's actually pure white. I think any a more cream is always more sophisticated and on a larger scale, it really does look white. So when you pick your fabrics, lean more cream and when you see it in a large scale like a sofa, it will lean white. Mm. That's a really great tip, yeah. It is. Especially, well, and talk to us about your, your white paint colors. Are you doing that in the in the white paint or are exactly. you really going more pure white in the paint? No, I think the only time I've ever done a pure white was in one of my most modern projects. It's called the Huntley Project. Um, and that's the only time I've used a pure white. But other than that, I love a white dove. I love anything that has a bit more richness and creaminess to it. I think you have to be careful because cream can lean yellow and cream or, or white can lean gray. And so... Honestly, whites are the trickiest thing to figure out. I recommend everyone getting about five sample pots and just trying it on the wall. They change based on the room they're in. I mean, they're not easy. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do it when you do trim in a home and you're and you're picking, let's just say a white, do you will you do that in every room, even if it does change? Yeah, yeah. I think to stay consistent is important. Um, if if you are going for that, you know, if you're trying to get a, a different look in each room, then for sure do different trim and different wall color. Mm-hmm. But if you're going, you know, cream walls, then I will do a bright white on the trim or vice versa. You know, maybe a beige trim is even really nice to see as well. That sounds pretty. <laughs> um, well, I so you talked a little bit about. Um, England, but I was also curious about you grew up in Texas. So how does does Texas influence your design at all? Um, Do you go back there? Yeah. Well, my parents still live in Austin and a ton of my friends are still there. So yes, I definitely go back a lot. Although, you know, I think, and and Austin is really up and coming and there's so many, you know, like really cool spots that are opening. I mean, they're just blowing up and I think they have this more almost California aesthetic in a way. I mean, a lot of people from California are moving there, New York, whatever. I find like Dallas a little tougher. It's definitely not as much my, my aesthetic. Um, but Houston, I think that has, you know, Milu magazine, like, like all the, the work that comes out of there is it's really kind of more my aesthetic as well. So yeah, I think there are some like, you know, a bit of Texas influences and Round Top Antique Fair. I love Mm -hmm. going there and everything there is just so up my alley. But in terms of like rustic Texas, like cowboy boots, not really (laughs) my thing. (laughs) I've been out of there for about 10 years. So I definitely think I have more of like a California mix with English cottage feel than I do a Texas feel. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess the reason I ask is because you do, um, you, you love an earth tone and, you know, lots of rustic woods. And so I, you know, definitely applied in a different way maybe than they would be in Texas. Mm. Um, but 
those, I think, kind of things always remind me of, of, um, of Texas. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not from Texas. Yeah, no, that's I've been a little Never time been. in Texas, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it's, it all depends on your application, right? So, I mean, if you're pairing a rustic wood with a, a raw iron, you're going to get a little too country for me. But I think what's great about design is it should feel timeless and it should feel like it's not from one era or from one location and it should work wherever. And I think also, you know, the the architecture of a home really dictates the style for me. So it just depends on, yeah, where and how it's a- applied and what, where, you know, what house it's in. Okay. I have questions about the room you're in right now. If anyone, um, you can find her, let's see, I'm trying to remember where I actually saw your home tour, but, um, you have this great, yes. Okay. Maybe that was it on their blog. Um, so you have this great loft and tell everyone a little bit about it because it's an unusual, an unusual space. And it seems like there were a lot of limitations probably in designing around it because of the sloped walls, but the way you did it, you really turn those um, downsides or limitations into advantages. So tell everybody what you did because it was great. Yeah. So the ceilings are super low in here and um, there is this weird platform and we kind of can't figure it. We wanted to open it up to see like maybe what's underneath it, but it's either hiding something or they just put in a platform before we got here. But that's what houses the bed. And I think the fact that everything's low and has these platforms, we we put down um, a sheepskin rug. So you feel like you can sit on the floor. Like it doesn't feel like you need to stand up high because you kind of can't. And then there was this other platform that was massive um, right in front of an octagon window. And it, before someone put the sofa on it, and if you sat in the sofa, you'd hit your head. It didn't really make sense to me. So I had this massive cushion made. I mean, it's ginormous. We could barely like, get it in the house, and especially up in the loft. And we put that down and it kind of created almost this loungy sofa, like day bed feel, but also can double as another mattress. So if we had someone come stay with their kids or, you know, tried to pack in extra family members, it can totally serve two purposes. I thought that was so smart. And it looks so like on purpose too. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting. I mean, we did, like when we got here, the back wall, like clearly they had painted over some like pink paint and it was showing through the white wall. So we painted and I took down, um, you know, some, some things here and there and changed the light fixtures. But uh, overall, we kind of had to work with the space as it was. And, you know, putting in a day bed really kind of made the room. Mm-hmm. Well, it just, we, we have had a few people write in and send us their um, slanted, you know, their rooms that are just like yours, like the long, slant, yeah, attic and, um, you know, I think when done right, sometimes those really quirky, strange spaces are the most charming. And, um, you know, I think sometimes people just want to like rip it all out. But I love the way that you embraced it and made that seem intentional. Yeah, I think that's what I love is like the quirky spaces. I get, you know, a bit bogged down after seeing like builder home after builder home after builder home where everything feels so cookie cutter. And like I said, I love that old world aesthetic where things aren't the same and they're different and quirky and there's something interesting around every corner instead of just same, same. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Well, on the flip side, if you have a builder home, what can you do to give it a little bit more charm? 
Yeah, there's so much you can do. I think any kind of like molding that you can add, um, beadboard, things like that, that feel kind of old world and feel like there's an extra detail instead of just plain flat walls can really um, elevate the space. And then there's a lot you can do with furniture, like go collect and go to antique fairs and flea markets and collect things from the years. And you can, I mean, I've seen people transform just four by, you know, like four wall apartments with just incredible, you know, collectibles. And I think that's what makes the space feel so unique. Mm -hmm. You had a little um, IGTV um, thing that you did on styling a bookcase. And I want you to talk about that. But it, uh, you started out by saying I had to go to the flea market four times to get Ugh. all the stuff for this ginormous bookcase. And, you know, I would just assume, well, she's a designer. She's got it all. She's just going to shop her house and fill it up and it'll be gorgeous. But that's not how it works, right? <laughs> no. And, uh, you know, for me, I was also like, you know, a bit more on a budget than maybe I would be with a with a client. Um, and so I wanted and I kind of like finding like unique stuff and shopping the flea markets and collecting things over time. But I mean, these bookcases were daunting. I mean, they're floor to ceiling, wall to wall, and you can't really just put storage items on it. It just looks messy. And that's the thing that I tell clients about bookcases. Like, yeah, that's great. If you, you know, I get wanting to store your books, but if all of them aren't curated, it just looks a bit like a big mess. And every once in a while, you know, it can look cool. And, um, I think a bit eclectic, but for the most part, unless you know what you're doing, it really falls flat. So, yeah, collecting a million different items, books, everything. And so I wanted them to feel older and worn. And so, yeah, about five trips to the flea market, probably more. (laughs) It was a nightmare. So are you kind of trying to talk your clients out of those bookshelves sometimes? I mean, it sounds like you are, because I feel like, especially when that, with that builder home, the uh, formula is, you know, fireplace, bookshelves on either side, um, open floor plan and, it yeah, sounds the like built-ins. Maybe I don't understand the built-ins. They're just added expense and then something you have to constantly style out. Yeah. And dust. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a catch-22. What do you do instead? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a catch-22 because if if you have two blank spots on either side of a fireplace and there is that indention that are intended for a built-in, if you put standing shelving units, that looks so apartment to me and you lose that like intentionality and sophistication of a built-in and a built-in can just really elevate the home so much but what exactly built-ins are expensive and this then you have to fill them and people don't realize how expensive accessories can add up to be like you you need to at least you know put aside a, a couple thousand dollars to like fill those out or whatnot so um, and then, you know, if I have a client that has this amazing book collection, then done. I don't need to do anything. I just put, you know, style their book collection and everything looks amazing. But more often than not, it's it's items that people have collected over years from, you know, they hadn't. I have a lot of clients who haven't hired a designer before. And so, you know, they have things and they don't really know how to pull it all together. And most often than not, they're, you know, big, big store items that big box store items that you know, kind of fall flat and they don't have that richness of maybe an antique bowl or an old weathered brass um, candlestick. And those are the items that really bring those bookcases alive. And styling's hard. If you don't know what you're doing, you know, if you, if you've never done it before, you can stare at that until you're blue in the face, you know? So yeah, I mean, it's it's Mm -hmm. a catch 22 for sure. Yeah. I mean, we have, we've had stylists on the show and just like reminder to people that that is an actual career. That is a job. (laughs) 
Like that is how mm-hmm. difficult it is yeah. that it's, a, you know, an area yeah. of expertise. It's a well-paid job. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know there's, I mean, I would love to not have to style my shoots and to hire someone like, you know, that's my goal in the end, like hiring Colin King or having him do a, shoot like that's dream right but yeah until then you got to figure it out yourself and it's not easy <laughs> well the good thing is is you have a five tips and tricks yeah yeah um, so you've already yeah. done the work for people <laughs> I know yeah and I hope it's handy and I was hoping for that um you know that's just what I what my tried and true tricks are and I'm sure there are people who are who do this all day long who have you know more insight for people out there but I do feel like they work for me and I think it creates kind of a non-cohesive look. You don't ever want to get too cohesive with bookshelves. You want it to feel kind of and I kind of start placing and just follow the flow and see where it takes me. I try not to think too hard about it because then it starts looking too um, calculated. Well, everyone should definitely check out your bookshelves because they're beautiful mm-hmm. and I'm sure you can glean some inspiration from them. Yeah, and um, don't okay. worry if you have to shop four or five times to fill them up you know and over time yeah Yeah. they really do just eat materials so you know (laughs) just always buy more than you think you need and you can always maybe return or sell on etsy or something but it's yeah just always grab more than you think because it that's when it starts to get difficult if you don't have enough on hand but joyce when you're shopping what are what are we looking for? So I, I noticed that quite a few things you're like, this is good because it's tall. Yeah. You know, so we want varying heights, varying textures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, boxes are great because when you stack books, you can put a box on top and it fills that bookshelf, you know, and then books are awesome because you can stand them upright and fill up that way and then do some on the bottom with like a with a, um, a box. Bowls are amazing because it brings another, like some texture, especially like a wood bowl. And it, um, you know, fills in that space next to a tall book. And then if you have these tall bookshelves, as you can see, I did, they're kind of asymmetrical. Um, I had to find very overscale books and large vases to fill that. And I put greenery in the large vase to even get more height because it was that tall. So I think you really have to think about all those things as you're going. Um, but like I said, if you could just buy a variety of items, it'll start to fall into place and you'll see kind of what you need and where your holes are. And then you can go look for those things. So I just say, start with buying items that you really love that have a lot of good, like great texture and like vintage wear to them. And then, um, you know, kind of go from there and you'll, you'll, it'll start to fall into place. I want to go back to this um, bookshelf formula that we talked about with the fireplace, because I noticed that you, well, I think I know your take on this, but I guess I'll just ask. Um, television over the fireplace. Yeah, you're nay. What are your thoughts on you that? You know, ideally, no, but it's not realistic and it's not practical and it's not how people live. You know, I think, especially with this open floor plan concept that we have now, we don't have separate rooms for maybe like a TV viewing room and a formal living room, you know? If you have a formal living room that you aren't using as your TV room, then yeah, skip the TV. But Otherwise, there's the frame TV out there nowadays that looks amazing, looks like a piece of art. So if you need to do it, go for it. You know, I think sometimes it gets more awkward to put it off to the side, like on a furniture piece in front of the window to the right of the fireplace. Like that gets really weird as well. So I think, you know, get the frame and call it a day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was wondering, because you did a cute video um, 
a little house tour. I think it was actually with Jenny Kane. And um, I was curious, you know, and I was actually just reading an article about how everyone is doing little home improvement projects around their house. So have you been doing anything around your house, making swaps or rethinking anything since you've been home? Well, I just recently broke my foot, so I haven't been doing anything. (laughs) I know it's been such a nightmare, but I'm finally getting over the hump. And my next big thing is I really want to recover that chaise lounge that's in my living room um, in a really fun, like, patterned fabric, something probably a bit grandma-y. <laughs> but I, I wanted to kind of juxtapose that modern coffee table and feel a bit old English cottage again. Um, and then, yeah, I think maybe, you know, the pillows, pillows are always a way you can change your sofa in two seconds. So I'd love to change those out to kind of tie in that chaise lounge and maybe make those changes coming up. But other than that, we are just cleaning out closets left and right, like since the whole pandemic happened and trying to get our like organizationally in line. And that's something we've been putting off for a while. So <laughs> well you've got to be close to done. Oh pandemic. I know. You'd think we um we're trying to convert the garage at the moment and make a bit of a man cave for Jordan down there. But that is kind. Yeah. Of you. Well, mm-hmm. poor man, I've kind of taken over the whole design of the entire house. So he needs some space to call his own. <laughs> so were you going to design the man cave or does he get oh, free he reign in there? Free reign. I'm not touching it. I'm just helping and guiding <laughs> in the process of construction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I noticed in all your work, you just have plants and we always talk about bringing house plants in and bringing some life to rooms. Do you have any go-tos that you always like using on projects? Oh, I mean, if there's enough light to bring an olive tree inside is my ultimate go-to. And the most of the time, that's just not possible. Sometimes we'll bring them in for shoots, but um, there's actually some really great fake olives out there too, if you know what you're looking for. Um, and so I think that is, you know, if a client doesn't want the maintenance, I will go that direction, but it has to look really real. And I think that's tough. Um, Other than that, I just kind of go to the plant store and see what they've got and see what looks kind of unique. I'm a bit over the fiddle leaf big tree thing. And they're also really finicky. Like I can't stand them. I feel like they die all the time on everybody. And I always get a call from a client saying like, ah, it's not living, like doing well at all. Um, so I try and find something a bit more hardy, you know, um, one time I used a tobacco leaf tree. I think that's what it was. That one was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I kind of, I want to find things that are unique. I haven't seen before because I think people pump out the same over and over again, even in the, the foliage inside. So I think trying to find something unique and a bit asymmetrical and not super perfect is kind of what I look for. I know you're a big entertainer. So what are your, um, sometimes I think that the hardest part about entertaining is the prep work. So what do you always do before people come over? What is like your, I guess, routine? I guess, well, clean the house. (laughs) 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 Um, But I think my, I mean, this isn't necessarily design related, but the big, biggest thing is to make a casserole because it's so easy to stick in the oven. When when people come over, you can actually have a conversation, make them a drink and focus on the person in front of you instead of like frying everything in, on the stove's range top and whatever and grease flying and everything that might stress you out. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a casserole and a salad is such a great go-to because it's just easy and it can cook while you're talking. That's a, that's a good tip. And I love your little like – 
you had like a little drink board with all your little ingredients on it for that one shoot. And I was like, that's so cute. Make your own. We do have a pretty good garden going outside. So I love to try and bring in some of that stuff into the cocktails. So I made a, um, a gin fizz with like sage the other day. And that was really good. It's actually not that hard. I thought it was going to be so hard. It was really easy. So don't get intimidated. No, I love a good drink. I think that's a like fun activity too. That was such a good tip. Um, Mm -hmm. And then for like layering a table, do you, I'm sure with a minimalist, you know, the style you're going for, you don't have abundant amount of dishes. So how do you help to make it feel fresh and different? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I try and keep everything simple on the table except for changing out the florals. I mean, just with like cuttings from your backyard or florals from like, you know, Bristol Farms, which is our local grocery store and whatnot, like you can really make or break your table. And I try and just decorate with florals more than anything. And then a few vintage candlesticks don't hurt. But um, I have just plain white plates that look very um, rustic and ceramic. And then, you know, I could try and keep it simple, but I'll sometimes tie my napkins with a bit of florals and then run them down the whole length of the table and then maybe do a couple um, arrangements in the center. And Honestly, I just try and keep it simple like that because that's the way you can really change it quickly and make it fresh. Are there any, is there anything that you never do when you're entertaining? Entertaining, do I never do? Hmm. Yeah. What do you mean? You never pan? (laughs) Well, I, I, well, I'm totally with you on the, um, prepping everything in advance. I like never cook anything that really, it's a lot of like hands-on time you know, like right before you're serving. But I also, I personally, I like never wear shoes in the house. So I'm always barefoot. This has yeah. nothing to do. I obviously don't live in California, but so just, just silly things like that. Things that like make you feel at ease, I suppose, when you're um, having people over or make yeah, them feel totally. at ease. Well, I'll, I'll, I never forget the music because that can always set an ambiance. Um, but yeah, exactly. Mm, I rarely yeah. wear shoes. Um, and then, you know, yeah, I, I think I can't ever say that I never have cooked something complicated because I've definitely made that mistake before yeah. and I learned my lesson the hard way. But um, yeah, I try and keep it simple now that I learned. <laughs> well, I'm bringing us back to the house if we're done entertaining. I mean, I'd love to entertain people right now, so don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's all my trip. Yeah. Right? Exactly. You have so many good tips and tricks and right now everyone's like dreaming of yeah. the next time. I wanted to invite like a bunch of designers from LA around and then the pandemic hit and I was like, no, that would have been so much fun. And now I'm just craving that um, camaraderie within the design community. I haven't seen a soul, mm-hmm. no events, mm-hmm. nothing. So uh, I would kill that. Mm. Yeah. Right? Had we known, oh, no. there were so many things I would have done that last month. I know. <laughs> oh. um, I will notice, and almost all your work, you don't have a lamp, like a table lamp on a side table next to a bed. You have sconces galore. And I <laughs> yeah. love good sconce. Um, I wanted to know when to use them and how high you do them and for spacing. Uh, sconces or table lamps? Yes. Okay. sconces because I didn't see any table lamp so I'm going with sconces yeah no Sorry. problem yeah I love sconces because you they don't take up table space and I think when you're laying in bed you have your iPad you've got your book you've got a glass of water and a million other things you know when you go to bed and so I like keeping them open um and have that having that ability to kind of 
have extra room. Now that depends on the size of the side table. If this is a very gargantuan home and you've got this massive side table, then go for the table lamp. You almost need it to fill up that space. But I, you know, haven't encountered that as much as I have, um, you know, wanting the, the space saving on the side table. So I've definitely used a table lamp and there's a time and place for it. But when I can go with a sconce, I feel like they're like the jewelry of the home. And I just feel like they're more exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, they're super fun. And, it, and like to your point, it just is like the size of the room helps to dictate that because you might not have space for bedside yeah. tables and, you know, it, it's so much smarter. Right. But other than that, I think the height is, I think that's a tricky one because it kind of depends on the space and this, the height of this, the um, headboard. But I think sometimes people do them too high or too close to the headboard. Um, I kind of like them to be maybe centered over the side table um, and don't do them too, too high up. Um, and then, I, but I also kind of, leaving room for maybe the possibility of art and for those two sconces to flank the art. I think that just depends on the space. So um, yeah, I think that's a tough one because I'd have to kind of see it to know. And it seems for me, a lot of those decisions are very, um, what's the word? Uh, I think I just go with my gut and, and see what feels right. Mm-hmm. And for height of headboard, you know, that varies too. When is it appropriate to do these lower kind of uh, profiles versus doing a very tall profile? I think if you're not a designer, the low headboards can get tricky. You lose, um, all of a sudden you have a ton of blank space above the headboard. That What do you do with that now, you know? And if I've seen it done mm-hmm. by some incredible designers all over the world. And I love the look when it's when it's executed properly. But if you're not a designer... I think it can get tricky and to stay with a standard headboard height is going to save you a lot of headache. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably a good tip. I mean, it's it a can go, move, right? Yes, yes. I mean, if you, you have a, I would love yeah. to do this one day where you just have this massive like piece of art or a huge um, uh, uh, like mural or something above the bed. And then that's when I would keep a headboard low to not obstruct th- that gargantuan amazing piece that's making such a statement in the room but otherwise I go for you know at least a 50 like 58 inch headboard height or something like that there was a project that you did in San Francisco and I loved it and it actually is kind of the reverse of what we were talking about earlier with um taking a room that maybe has challenges and Mm. making them into strengths whereas this home had these huge panels of wind like every wall every exterior wall was a window and that seems like just what a huge, what an amazing selling point for the house. But then I imagine it was really difficult to actually decorate because like, where wow. do you put furniture? Right. Where do you put art? Mm-hmm. So how did you do that? And can you tell everybody a little bit about the project? Yeah, I think my, my clients before had really struggled with it. You know, there was this tiny wall in the living room and it kind of scrunched the entire living room into this smaller space. And there was extra space, but it wasn't being utilized. And they didn't know quite what to do with it, especially with just the, the, the sofas that are available on the market. So what we ended up doing and with a lot of back and forth with the client, like I had initially proposed this kind of um, kidney bean shaped sofa that would look out to the view, but um, they weren't loving that. And so we ended up wrapping the sofa completely around the window and actually in front of the window at one point. Um, And we kept the, we kept the bottom of the sofa open and the profile of the sofa was quite small, kind of Hans Wagner inspired, but 
um, I think leaning into the fact that there are no walls, what are we going to do? We're going to have to make some concessions here, but then just rolling with it really worked out because it kind of created this whole space um, that you wouldn't have had before. I mean, it opened it up. had so much extra mm-hmm. seating and you really because those windows were so massive you really didn't feel like you were losing that much of the view i don't think they even noticed so i think they were very concerned about losing the view as can be understood um but it really didn't feel like they were in the end of the day so i think it was a great um you know there's always that back and forth and hemming and hawing um not to say i can like walk into a space and immediately know um there was definitely a lot of back and forth with the client but i really like where we ended up yeah, where the heck did they put their television? They, I by know the way? they have a TV room, so they have like a whole TV okay, room okay. downstairs, and so yeah, <laughs> I do. I think that is tough um, in that room. That is really difficult. But once again, you know, this is when I think designers and architects should always work together because I can't tell you time and time again when I have worked with architects, like they just don't think of the interior space and how it's going to be used at times just as easily as I don't think of the exterior and how the windows look from the outside. I'm thinking about how they're being used from the inside. And so it's such an important collaboration um, because they're not doing the furniture side all day and the client requests all day for the interior space. And I'm not doing the exterior. So it's such a great collaboration that I think always you should have both on board if you're building a home from scratch, because you can find those, you know, weird inconsistencies like, oh, shoot, where did I put the TV? <laughs> mm-hmm. so, right, right. so don't wait to hire your mm-hmm. designer until after your home is built. So do it all in the very planning stages, bring everyone yeah, together. Yeah, I think that's a mistake a lot of mm-hmm. people make. I, you know, I have had one client who took me house shopping with him. And I think that was the most seamless transition because we talked about where the things are going to be placed when we walked through with the showing. And I think find a designer as you're house shopping or before you house shop and bring them along. Like it can't hurt, you know, they're going to see things that you can't see. I feel the same about a contractor. If you're buying a new home, bring a contractor along. Um, They're going to see things that you don't see. They're going to see problems that you could never have thought of. Like they're going to notice if your foundation's off. Like obviously those are things you can catch um, in inspection, but do you really want to wait to that point? You know? So I'm a huge proponent of get everyone on, on board like day one and it'll save you a lot of headache. I can't tell you how many people come to me and they're like, ah, I'm like need a designer now. And I'm like, well, we're, we're booked out <laughs> for several months. I, I, you know, I can't, I can't just hop on a job that quickly. And it also takes, you know, I'd say really it does take a month or two months to get to the point where you're ready to purchase furniture because there is a lot of designing and back and forth and grabbing fabric samples. And now with the pandemic, things take longer and I'm having, you know, they're not letting us in fabric showrooms. So I'm having to have them ship things to me. And then if it's not right, I need it shipped again. And it's just this complete nightmare. So always as early as you can get a designer on board, do it. Um, well, the other room in that house that I really, really loved was the dining room that had that great big green di- mm, yeah. uh, banquette. Mm. And I thought it was so smart because you, well, you, you, you describe it. Yeah. So once again, job. floor to ceiling windows, that was actually in the kitchen nook. So it was at the end of the kitchen. I mean, it's a huge open space. So it kind of all flowed into it, each other, but I wanted to create three separate section areas without it feeling sectioned off and without it feeling like it wasn't flowing together. So everything felt like one big room design wise, but then had its own design element. 
Um, that space, the client had initially had like a two-seater bistro table in front of a window and everything felt very spindly. So when you put something unsubstantial in front of a see-through window like that, it can lose substantiality that's much needed. Just everything kind of feels PC and um, spindly is the best word I can think of. Um, so I wanted mm-hmm. something to feel like you you guys were mentioning earlier, intentional. I think it's so important. I think that's why custom and built-in can really make or break a space is because it does feel intentional. And um, this was definitely one of those instances. Once again, we blocked some of the windows to do this, but there was so much window in this home that I didn't feel like it took away. There was a bar running across the like right exact height of where I imagined a sofa to be. And I think that's where my gut kicked in again. And I just imagined a a built in piece there and like right up to that line um, of the crossbar. And I think it almost made it feel even more open because it didn't have that break up breaking up of the crossbar. Um, So it just had clear windows with no um, breaking point. So I think that um, that was kind of my thought process there. And I really am happy. And it created so much extra seating than the two seating that they had before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely, beautiful. I thought it was outside at first when I first looked I know, at it. I was like, people did. That? People were like, yeah. velvet outside? What were you thinking? I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's inside, I swear. <laughs> but do you have outdoor velvet now? They do. I actually just... Um, received some pillows for a client recently and I was shocked. I didn't realize when we bought them that they were velvet, but they were very cool looking. They're more microfibery, if I'm honest. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a very, very short velvet. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Should we do a decorating dilemma? Oh, sure. Yeah. Let's help our Let's listener. Mm-hmm. All right, this is from Susan, and she writes, Good morning, ladies. Been listening to your podcast for over a year, so feel like we're now girlfriends. We are. <laughs> Come on over for a glass a glass or two of wine. Ooh. She offered two glasses, Ooh. guys. Like <laughs> better go. Calm down. So funny, and your tips, trials, and guests are very helpful for this non-creative person. My husband and I live on a tidal river in New England, and I recently completed some renovations in the sunroom. Hardwood floors go in next month, and it's time to ditch the hand-me-down furniture and dress this room. The open floor plan has me stumped on carpet placement and how to make the various functions of the room cohesive. The room is 37 feet long and is wider on one side. Do I need a custom carpet, or will area rugs be okay? What about our window treatments? I like the open glass and don't need the privacy, but would window treatments pull the room together? Here's the layout. From the kitchen, you step down into the main sitting area, which is in front of the 16-foot sliding doors with this amazing on-the-water view. This is our main entertaining area, and I often pull in another chair or two when we have guests. Our dining room is in the center in front of the three windows, and someday we plan to install a banquette. The adjacent fireplace is needed for heat in the winter months. We considered moving into the far wall, but the heat proposed left it where it is. For heat purposes. Oh, my God. Why am I like, guys, I am having a hard time today. For heat purposes, left it where it is. The far end serves as my home office, which is hidden inside the armoire, where I plan to work for the next two to three years. Good for you. What a nice view for working. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, this is a tough one. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a um, lot. The, the biggest thing I notice is a 37 foot long room. I mean, every time you get a long skinny room, it's not easy. And it's that's when you hit a lot of snafus because it's just long and skinny and there's so many areas and it's not just a given. Mm-hmm. True. True. And y'all, the first time I saw her photos, I thought she lived in a boat, mm-hmm. a houseboat. Yeah. Cool. Because when she said she's on the water, y'all, she's on the oh water. Literally, if she like threw a rock out of her window, it would land in the water. Yes. <laughs> like it looks like she's on a dock or yes. something. Oh, it is, it so is amazing. So this long room, like you're saying, Joyce, mm. um, very long. Um, and on one end of it, you can exit out. It looks like about, you know, 14 foot. There's like a 14 foot wide opening that you can walk out onto the dock in the water. But if you turned around uh, and walked into the house, you would walk uh, into the eating area. You'd kind of walk through that long room into like the eating and sitting area in a kitchen. Um, and then in the center of the long room, not on the wall, that's the water on the opposite wall is a fireplace. And right now she has two chairs there. Um, to the right of that is the opening to the dining area. To the left of that is another double set of double doors that go somewhere else. So she does have like these breaks in her wall. So she can't put furniture there. Um, and, and then on the, the short wall, um, not on the dining end, the other end, she has a little sofa sectional. To the left of that is an armoire where she works. Um, and then she just has sort of various seating around uh, and the rest of it. I do love there's a shot, I think, of her feet or her husband's feet. She's <laughs> like adorable. <laughs> that's that's her favorite spot was. to sit. Uh, okay, wow. yeah. So we can't oh, lose a little that. chaise. Oh, yeah, she has a little mm-hmm. like blue chaise that she sits on and looks out to the water. So she does have a sitting area at one end and a sitting area at the other end. But like tying it together, what should she be doing to like make this space really feel finished and cohesive? Sure. Yeah. I think the long skinny is hard. And what I've, what I think is the best thing to do is to break that up into two or three places, which is kind of what she's done. Um, Jeremiah Brett and, um, Nate Burkus do have done a fabulous job of this in the past. And I think you can look up some of their work, but they'll use that center point as almost like a entry center console table or like a seating area with like a um, day bed that would be kind of cool in there. I think something in front of that fireplace to make a moment of that. Um, and then uh, I think also she could go for a bigger sofa in here too, somewhere um, kind of maybe on that left-hand side that wraps in front of that window. Um, and then, yeah, I think walking out of that, the kitchen area into two chairs feels a little break, like, broken up. But then I also get wanting to look outside. So it's not an easy room. Uh, I do think window treatments would be huge on um, those windows on the far right, or I guess if we're looking at the floor plan far left. Um, because it, window treatments are like, I, for, I, I always equate them to like your eyebrows. If you're going to pencil in your eyebrows, it's like makes a world of difference. Window treatments are the same way. It's like forgetting to put your eyebrows on that day. So I always think if you can fit in window treatments, they warm up the room, they finish it. It's like putting on your eyebrows and getting ready for the day. So I definitely. But are you saying, Joyce, don't put don't put window treatments on the view facing out to the water, just on the side window? Is that what you're saying, or all the windows? What I would do is I would do like Roman shades on the windows that are you know not floor to ceiling. So those. 
kind of glider windows. And then like just the double hung. Yeah, the double hung ones. And then um, because you're not going to be able to fit like a drape there. Um, and you can either skip the sliding doors and just do nothing on those, or you could put a drape on either side of those if, if it's possible to fit them. But, you know, once again, you're, you might be blocking your view slightly. So, um, but drapes just like complete a room to me. It just feels like it brings so much height. I do feel like she could use some height in this room. Um, maybe a standing tree or something or a standing lamp or something that brings some height in there. Um, maybe that back corner by the green blue sofa. Um, that would be nice like a, to add some greenery. Um, I think there's a lot going on. So I think figuring out your designated sections and what you want them to achieve, I think it might be hard to do it all in this room. I think it needs to be pared down. Should each of the sections have a different rug? She's, you know, she's right. she's struggling with the rug issue. Do I do one giant rug that's custom or should I designate areas by rug? One what large rug custom is going to serve you no better than the wood floors. So if you do one long, you know, massive custom rug, maybe wall to wall even or whatever, you're still going to have to break up and make designated sections by using an area rug. So you might as well forgo that. It's going to be an expensive cost anyway. I would say do three rugs that kind of all tie together. So like three maybe vintage like Turkish rugs that all, you know, make sense together but aren't the same. That's what I would do. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on like maybe one bigger sofa because I feel like there's so many furniture pieces and so many furniture styles, mm. which is... That's hard to do. Okay. I, I, yeah. And I feel so annoying saying this because I feel like that, that is typically what we kind of encourage people to do is to mix it up and do, you know, play around with different shapes. But it's, it's like there's not any one statement in the room. It's, I mean, obviously you want the, the view to be sort of your focal point, but... I think there's too many PC seating arrangements. Like I think she needs one big seating arrangement with, you know, like an L-shaped sofa and a substantial chair and then maybe have the chaise lounge in front of the fireplace and then another seating area and that area that you walk right out of, um, whatever that may be. I even think you could do a dining area in there and then a, a chaise lounge area and an actual seating area. Um, then when you have friends over, you can all sit at the table and look out. I think that would be really nice too. And I know she does have one, but it's kind of squished into some corner. And I think she could actually make an entire statement area out of it. Um, and, and kind of, you know, I think right off the kitchen, I would do a, a table right there. Um, and then I would do a chaise lounge area and then I do a big L shaped sofa. Yeah. Yeah. I like that word substantial. I feel like that like fewer bigger. Yeah. I think things. people go wrong there a lot. I think people collect things as they go and they're smaller, piecier items, but as a whole, it can look very messy. Um, and I think fewer, but substantial pieces. Um, but you have to be careful there because if you do, um, like one big substantial sofa that has fabric, maybe down to the ground that doesn't have a leg, I then would go for a chair that has legs to break up that that substantiality and like blockiness. Um, so I think it's, it's always a play against each other. And I think just to your point, exactly, you know, 
um, mixing different styles. I think always mix at least two different time periods of furniture, I think. But when you start getting into two, three, four, five, it can that I mean, I don't even cross that boundary because that's when it can get really tricky. Like, I think only some of the best designers in the world can really make that all come together in um, a cohesive way. I think it's really tricky to mix that many styles and make it all come together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me ask you all something. I know our listeners cannot see this, but um, off of this long room, between her kitchen and this long room, she has an, an another eating area. Like it's a small round table, very small little round table, and it maybe seats four people. And I'm wondering why. Why do they have more, all these places to eat? There's two of them. You know, they, if you'd sit here by the water and eat, what if she? What if she? You know, converted that area to her office or something. I don't know. I'm just. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if she's thinking about that room in a practical way, and it, could she use that space better for her lifestyle? She definitely didn't ask us about that space. But Susan, I think just take a look at that room and go. Am I using this room to the best of its ability? Maybe I make this a cozier little nook to sit in and play cards with my friends, or maybe this is where I should locate my office and face out to the river and work from here or something. Um, you yeah, know, maybe you use it every day to eat. But. Yeah, she could even do a floating desk. I think um, the way that room was intended is a kitchen nook, you know, breakfast nook area. Um, so I think she's she is doing that. But there also is a dining area in the main room. But that feels less like a dining room. I think she needs an actual dining space in that long, skinny room. I think that would, you know, float it. Like it doesn't have to be up against a wall. Like I would float it. Um, look out at that beautiful view when you have a dinner party and then have a place where you can read by the fireplace and look out and then also have, you know, a place where you and your friends can sit more comfy in a a big L shape. But yeah, if she wants it, I do think where the dining table is in the long room, she could put a desk that looks out to the sea right there. Um, Or she could put that a floating desk like where the kitchen nook is and look out to the sea that way while she works. I think there are a lot of options there that maybe aren't being utilized. So, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, Susan, I encourage you to use our floor plan tool. Um, It's on the How to Decorate website. It's very easy to use. You can put all of your measurements in there and you can put all your furniture in there and you can move it around and then plan for the other things that you might be wanting to purchase, whether it's, you know, a big L-shaped thing or moving your dining room around or all that, put your rugs down and see what you need. It just makes it a lot easier to kind of plan it out, um, especially if you, if it's harder to envision in your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also, I liked your idea about, um, didn't you say something about like an entry table or like a big round table? In front of the fireplace. Um, yeah. I was, I was just thinking about that because it seems like she doesn't necessarily need the dining space all the time so you could have like even just a round table has leaves or something it's more flexible yeah Yeah, too and like you don't have to have you know a round table with the six chairs around it all the time Mm -hmm. like pull pull those chairs from other parts of the room yeah like be more i guess um converted she works i think she needs to be honest about how she uses a space like she said if it's having the friends and it's have then you need the bigger table right if you're entertaining have comfy chairs right like really focus on what would make you happiest in this space and what Mm -hmm. you really want on that front view versus like again that back room you know i think 
just be really like, how am I really? How do I live in here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, point. Good luck. Yes. <laughs> well, she <laughs> did. Have a larger sofa. It feels like two small sofas maybe feel too. There's nothing of substantiality in that room yet. So mm-hmm. that's my biggest. I think yeah. that's great. Um, yes. And please send photos after you do. Cause I yeah. agree now that you're like working on it, it's going to look so yeah, good. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. room. I cannot. It's a beautiful room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And she did ask when we were coming for a bottle of wine. Yes. And so I think we should go ahead and put that on our calendar. Well, because so it's like, outside. Everyone, we can sit yeah. outside and socially oh, distance over yeah. some wine. It's fine. Man, this room is so long. I mean, yeah. we can, we can spread out. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't want to go on the coast all cozied up in the fall uh, to in, in new england i'm ready uh, y'all are, i'd go anywhere go. y'all <laughs> i know me too. there's so many places i wouldn't go right now <laughs> joyce thank you so much and can you yes, tell everyone where you. they can find you follow you see your work all that good stuff yes of course thank you guys so much for having me you can find me on my instagram at at jdp interiors or on my website at www.jdpinteriors.com. <laughs> <laughs> what a great commercial. <laughs> I like the arm at the end that no yeah. one can see. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I really enjoyed this. Thanks, Joy. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Beautiful work. Thank you so much. Beautiful. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcastballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time. Happy Happy decorating. decorating.